0: are locked into the award-winning Mental Speak Radio Show on the Fishbowl Radio Network. That you are. You're locked in. FBRN.US, Fishbowl Radio Network. This is the Mental Speak Radio Show, and I'm your host, LaTanya Davison. I'm coming at you live from Globe Life Park in Arlington, Texas. We're live from Studio A, and today is... going to be a great day so shout out to everybody around the world for tuning in today thank you so much i can't think of a more timely and important show i consider every show to be important uh but this particular show has been long overdue as far as i'm concerned Uh, we've had so many things going on here in america and the reality uh, that we've had to deal with from, you know, police shootings and, and community issues and um, all kinds of, uh, you know, I mean, they needed attention, of course, but when were we going to talk about recovering and coping with all the things that we've been dealing with in this pandemic? This is a global issue. This is not just a an American issue. This is an issue around the world. And Thankfully, thankfully, there are people, there are human beings who are skilled. They are uh, driven by purpose and mission to help the masses heal themselves, to get their minds and their bodies and their emotions into balance. And I am honored uh, to be amongst such a uh, passionate and compassionate Uh, group of people today. Uh, They are friends. I call them friends. And they are also colleagues. And they are very uh, talented and gifted clinicians. And I am so excited to have them on today. I'm going to introduce them to you. And let me tell you what we're going to do today. You're going to get practical tips that you can use right now starting today. You're going to be able to cope a little bit better when we're done. That's the goal for today. It's not just about talk. Today we are literally going to give you the, the tips to be able to take into your own home and hopefully share them with your family members, but you need to put them into action. Remember what I always say to you guys, you could talk all day, but if you're not willing to put everything into action, then there's no point, right? But again, I have brought in top-notch clinicians today who are going to give us some guidance, Okay. I first want to introduce to you Mr. Scotty Gilmore. He's a licensed professional counselor. He is going to again it, give us some guidance and direction from his particular population. I also have Mr. Matthew Newell, who is also a licensed professional counselor. And I have Ms. Tahira, Tahira, the, ther- the therapist. That's <laughs> what we're going with today.
1: Shout out, out to me. Be.
0: She is a licensed <laughs> licensed clinical social worker and uh, licensed clinical social worker supervisor at that. So she is also going to give us uh, some great insight today from her uh, specific practice and population. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. My pleasure. I'm glad to be here. To be here. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Listen, COVID. uh oh, man, Corona, coronavirus. Um. We know the physical aspects of it. We know that it has taken a toll on people's health, uh, but people did not consider what it would do to the mind and the emotions. Um, I'm going to pretty much just let me just go clockwise on my screen as I see it. Uh, Scotty, tell the people uh, your your specific populations that you work with and just an overview of what you've been seeing with covid.
2: Uh, yeah, I work with um, work with uh, the acutely uh, mentally ill uh, in a hospital setting, in the inpatient setting, um, and um, we um, we have seen an increase uh, of patients um, coming in with with uh, uh, I think. Uh, A range of of issues from chemical dependency to just being overwhelmed and also feeling stuck at home and depressed.
0: Okay, Tahira, Tahira, your population Um, and what you've been seeing.
1: Well, I work with two populations specifically, Um, I work with the geriatric population providing behavioral health services. Inside of nursing homes, and um, what I see there is deterioration. Um, they are isolated. They are isolated from friends. They have not had fresh air in months. Uh, they're dying just to feel the sun on their face. So I'm seeing, um, I'm seeing rapid deterioration in that population. However, in my private practice. Um, I've been working with a lot of women. Um, my population is adult women. I've been seeing a lot of African American women and for us I believe that the biggest issue that we're having right now is that we are not able to let ourselves off the hook. We we should be we should be having a business, we should be doing you know doing all of these things and we're not giving ourselves permission to just be in this space in this moment so I just been trying to you know teach some coping skills and just you know kind of let people know wherever you are in this it is okay
0: and Matt what are you seeing who are you seeing and what are you seeing
3: (laughs) well in in my private practice I work with a mixture of kids teens and adults but I've spent most of the pandemic really working with preteens and kind of from what I'm seeing, they're in this whole situation a fairly kind of lost and overlooked age group where they're, they're not young enough to need the direct attention of maybe them all of the time, but they're not really old enough to cope for themselves. So they kind of been have been stuck in this no man's land of figuring out things for themselves um, to where their younger siblings can get a lot of the immediate attention, but they're not quite there enough to be able to handle it on their own.
0: Did you guys, you know, as clinicians, I think, you know, sometimes we're expected to kind of know things ahead of of the game, I guess you could say. But did did it, has it surprised you guys just how much of a toll this pandemic has taken on people?
1: Not at all. Hmm. Not, not for me. No. Once it once it started, and um, and I see you guys shaking your head, yes, that you know um, that you were surprised. I just have a slightly different perspective because once it just started kind of trickling down, the first thing I said is they haven't even mentioned mental health, and that is about to be a big issue. And so I wasn't surprised. What I was surprised about is the numbers of individuals that are actually reaching out through various resources. You know, some people suffer in silence, but you know, I'm having a lot of people actually reaching out, so that, that's the great part of it all.
0: To you too, I saw you shaking your head, That surprised?
2: I think um, I was surprised um, Within the type of patients that we see in the hospital and also in my private practice, I see, um, you know, at first there was a downturn in numbers, but very, very much like Tahir said, although it was a surprise to me. I mean, my agency is, you know, we are inundated with calls every day. I mean, more, more calls. We're adding therapists, and we are, you know, and we are every every therapist that, that is. Is coming in our our agency is it, their calendar is filled up because we just there is an outpouring of people who need support right now and that that is a surprise to me I didn't realize that it would be so uh, so such an impact like this
0: yeah what about you Matt
3: I think for me the the surprise was how quickly everything kind of came to a boiling point where well, I think kind of before this there was you know I, I like that your show kind of focuses on a lot of kind of systemic issues in general but I think our society was at a point where the water was turned up but it wasn't it wasn't right at that boiling point yet and I think this pandemic kind of brought everything to a head whether it was the education system um obviously mental health families trying to figure out as far as working parents go um so i think for me what was surprising was you get used to kind of just going through through day-to-day life and i think this just brought a lot of stuff of reminding us oh hey there's a lot a lot of issues here that just can't quite be ignored anymore
0: almost as if everything that we we were already we we've known what what society deals with right as, as therapists we see those little microcosms and all the the issues that are going on in individual homes or like you said throughout the system but you're right it highlighted the government <laughs> it highlighted everything that wasn't being done it highlighted school programs uh, curriculum uh, it highlighted relationships which we'll definitely get into um, I know in my work sadly it highlighted if you already had anxiety (laughs) if you already had (laughs) depression if you already had personality disorder issues it's on a it's it 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 literally created a space for every lack of coping skill that you had was revealed
1: Mm. at that
0: point and um Mm -hmm. A lot of people, I think, you know, we already were having to, to start to look at ourselves, but COVID, I think, is asking us really, truly to see ourselves in full truth and to get it together, right? To get it together, and that's what we're going to do today. Um, as far as coping, what have you guys seen in terms of people... Uh, abnormally coping and and attempting to adapt to the changes that COVID has brought. Let's look at the problems before we get to the solution. What kind of problems are people coming to you guys with?
1: Oh, you said something
2: interesting. So I see um, uh, what I've seen in private practice and in the hospital is a a true uptick in the number of of um, individuals with a chemical dependency issues, specifically alcohol, but, but also drugs. Um, I think that um, COVID has allowed, especially the shutdown started it, um, the maybe person that might have had some type of a, a substance problem, but it was kind of controlled with the structure of life with Monday through Friday working, and you know you might use on the weekend, or you might drink on the weekend and Friday night, or maybe in the evening. But once once the shutdown happened, I think that there was a uh, uh, opening up for people who are working at home. That means five o'clock might come sooner sometimes. And um, we've seen just qu- quite a bit more alcohol. Use and I know that that's true um in a lot of facilities uh in the area.
0: It was almost kinda like a double edged sword because I remember we were thinking about how during remember the shutdown, they did not close liquor stores. Liquor stores were considered.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Imagine that. (laughs) Imagine that.
0: Imagine not keeping it open though.
1: that's
0: worse (laughs) that would have been a whole other we'd be talking about something else
1: (laughs) that is very true that is very true Um, alcohol in your practice too Tara well not really not really an increase in that they're telling me that it's a coping mechanism what I am getting in regards to coping is The anxiety is taking over, so I'm just going to lay in the bed. The Uh, anxiety is taking over, so I'm not even going to try to just even step out and get any sunshine. The anxiety is taking over, so I'm going to isolate. And so that is what I am seeing a lot of in regards to um, some kind of, you know, coping skills that aren't really helpful.
0: Matt, what you got?
3: for me, one of the big things I've been surprised is just how young I'm seeing kids come in with anxiety. And I mean, they'll talk you through the the exact physical symptoms and and just seeing that um, at at such a young age that's coming about. As far as one of the big things that I've seen, especially in the preteen age, is really just an attempt at numbing. So, um, Video game usage, online social media usage—it um, really just seems like it's this. Hey, I, I can't do anything else. Any attempt to connect to friends seems to almost have to go through big platforms. And so, um, you know, I hear about Fortnite and Roblox.
0: Yep. <laughs> and Call of Duty. <laughs> Call of Duty for the older ones. <laughs> <laughs> let's let, let's tap in. People have no idea what anxiety looks like. We think it looks one way, but it can manifest so many different ways. So let's, let's hone in right now on anxiety. What are possible symptoms of anxiety?
1: Um, just a, a general, you can have physical symptoms, you can have emotional reactions. So some physical symptoms that you can just kind of be mindful of in regards to, you know, getting to know yourself is how do how do you feel? Like are are your hands getting a little bit sweaty, you know, is your stomach, you know, kind of turning a little bit. You know, pay attention to how you feel when you're in certain circumstances or situations or environments. That way you can identify, like let's just say we were we were, you know, putting anxiety on a scale from one to ten. Or one is, you know, kind of my sweaty hands. And then two and three, my stomach is, you know, kind of feeling a little queasy. What do I do now at two and three so that I don't get to ten? So it's practicing those coping mechanisms when you recognize the onset of the anxiety at that particular time. That's, That's for me.
0: Matt, you work with kids. Parents may not know what anxiety looks like in a child. What does it look like? What can it look like?
3: I think one of the big things that gets overlooked is is anger. And so you'll see kids where they come across a situation that makes them feel anxious. And a lot of times it's the kids even recognizing their parents' own anxiety and responding in turn. So there may be situations where a parent's saying, hey, I feel really uncomfortable, but I'm not saying that to my kids. Well, the kids can probably still pick that up. And so if you're seeing temper tantrums, refusal to do stuff, um, not wanting to do homework, not wanting to participate, um, those are some where it's not, again, that, that typical, you know, tight muscles, the difficulty breathing, um, but it, it definitely plays in there as well.
0: Scotty, <clears throat> sounds like, um, a, a, again, as you're seeing more of an adult population, what are some of the, the unknown Anxiety uh, manifestations.
2: Um, I think mean, the unknown, unknowns could be, um, you know, the feeling of uh, not 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 responding, um, not being active in life. kind of in that fight or flight mode, and I think a lot of people have been caught in that fight or flight mode, um, where they're just where where they're just in that. In that um, that 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 flight of just I'm not willing to do anything. I'm just gonna get paralyzed here. Um, and um, I think that that can be an anxiety um, thing that we see in clients. Is is just uh, a withdrawal
1: freeze. Can I hop in? Yeah, please do. Mm-hmm. Um, what also. Um, I've been noticing is that I have been doing a lot of teaching to my clients about trauma, and when this first began, it you know, you you kind of have to let them know that you've experienced a trauma, you've experienced a shock to your system which is traumatic and our brain does not process trauma that is the equivalent of okay i'm sitting at you know a red light and i'm just waiting for you know the light to turn green all of a sudden bam an 18 wheel just smashes you in the back your body is not ready or equipped to handle that that type of trauma Well, we are getting slammed in the back by eighteen wheeler every day. Wow. So we are in a constant state of anxiety because we are unsure of when that next truck is going to come and slam into us. So it's a constant state of anxiety, a constant state of fear, a constant state of worry whether or not I'm going to have the resources to meet the, the, the environment, the experience, the occurrence. You know, will I have the resources to manage this stressor? And a lot of people are afraid that they're not. I,
2: I think that that's so true. And I think that um, there's like an anticipation anxiety that's attached to that because we have been hit by that Mack truck, just like you're talking about, for the last eight months. And so we, you know, there is this, this fear also of what's next? What, what, what is going to happen next? And um, I think that's parallel. Uh, and I think I agree completely that it's a type of trauma.
1: Yeah, it's, and it's collective, you know. And the thing is, when we can all embrace that and, you know, share with our clients, you know, I, you know I'm not pretty sure, like, on, you know, children, we share, you know, as much as they understand. But adults, when you, when you, you know, humanize yourself as a therapist and say, hey, I'm part of this as well. You know, I've experienced this trauma right along with you. You know, when you when you humanize yourself, it it kind of allows them to be vulnerable. It kind of allows them to say, you know, it's okay. I can let my guards down because people are afraid to even be vulnerable. We are forced right now to be in a very vulnerable space as a society. But individually, we are afraid of that vulnerability breeds fear. But I try to teach that that's a strength. You know what I mean? It's a strength. Um, I'm not going to take up too much time. But like I said, um, my population has been mostly African-American women. And the message that we receive from society is what? You're a strong black woman, you know? And so I'm seeing a lot of African-American women like, you know, Miss T. I, I've never felt this before. I don't know what's going on. You know, I'm used to being able to help everybody, and now I can't even help myself. You can let, you can take that cape or, or that role. You can dismiss that role. You give yourself and allow yourself the same amount of compassion that you would allow someone else. And I think that's in the adult population, from what I'm experiencing, that's what's lacking. They're not allowing themselves that same compassion that they would allow someone else.
0: That trauma, Matt, is it is it vicarious in the kids? In other words, is it that the kids are seeing their parents as mentioned? Are they observing parents and becoming anxious, or is this the kids' own trauma like is it hitting them as far as the school shutting down and having to do online schooling what are you seeing
3: yeah I think it's a little bit of of both and obviously a a lot of kids parents are going through all kinds of environmental stressors um, whether that's you know trying to figure out hey it's you know this has been going on for a while Um, like Scotty mentioned earlier we all have this anticipatory anxiety of Okay, well, they've said there's a second wave coming, so when is it coming? You know, so knowing, hey, this is, we've been in this for a while, but it's still not over. So there's there's some of going, okay, hey, you know, kids can recognize my parents are stressed about finances, work, their jobs, their relationship with each other. Um, but then some of that is also just for themselves. So losing um, access to friends at school, um, I think has been the, the biggest factor for the kids that I work with, is that social for them, especially, you know, at the the preteen and teenage years, where it's more and it's healthy to start expanding out past your family system and to start making connections with other people. A lot of kids, they just don't have anybody to connect to, so they're they're sitting at home just kind of numbing themselves, kind of waiting month after month for this to be over.
1: And like Scotty said, we're waiting on the next Mac truck, or is it going to be a Mac truck? Is it going to be an asteroid? We don't know. So it's just you're just anticipating something devastating happening every day. When you wake up, you wake up and you're like, okay, what what's going to happen today? This is where people are. And to speak to your point, Matt, the parents of the children that you treat are also experiencing that anxiety, experiencing that increased depression, experiencing that, you know, guilt and shame that they are not able to adequately, let's say, for example, teach their children at home. Well, your parent isn't a teacher. You know what I mean? So that's that's what I mean when I say give yourself the same compassion you would offer someone else. These parents are not teachers. You know, so they have the extra added stress of, Trying to work from home as well as trying to be a teacher, in which I have no experience in, so it it you know it affects the whole family system. Yeah, I'm.
0: Yeah, go ahead, Matt.
3: Oh, I was going to say, and even kind of adding on to that point, you know, it's not even just the the teacher role, but for a lot of parents, it's you know, hey, if you're a teacher and you have a kid that's that's not behaving there's a principal to go through. and so now your teacher your principal your counselor you're and you're still mom and dad so just adding one that's more hat onto the sack
1: correct Mhm. correct yep and it's a lot to carry this is a this yeah. is a very heavy load to have been carrying for the past eight months it, it is just it's heavy it's heavy and you know it is It is a great blessing to have, you know, you all that I'm speaking with and in your company. It's a great blessing to have you, you know, alongside me and helping um, people kind of understand mental wellness and emotional wellness, because that's another thing. We are all taught to think mental illness. What about emotional and mental wellness? You know, so. Let's kind of switch that narrative, which is what kind of I've been doing is switching that narrative, you know, from something that's bad or awful to let's talk about your emotional well-being. Let's get to the point where you feel good. You know, we we don't have to stay focused on everything that's awful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. And And, you know. What I really love again is the word vulnerable that you use Tahira because vulnerable is like the it's the no no word, right? It's the word of fear. You you don't you don't open up. You don't you don't let people know. I mean how many generations of you keep your business in this house, right? You don't you don't let anybody know that you're struggling. You be strong and that's in all cultures. Be strong, you know, from from men, from a white man to a to a Latino family to you know, to a black family, it's like be strong, strengthen yourself, and, you know, push forward and keep going. Well, no, there there comes a time where we have to acknowledge our trauma. We have to state what's really real in order to move towards the goal of the healing, as you said, of, of the wellness. And that's what we're doing today. So I want to make sure anybody tuning in right now, you understand that all we're doing is laying out what you may not have understood about COVID and its effects on our minds and our emotions. And so we are going to move towards actual practical tips for coping that you can bring into your home. What I want to highlight right in this moment is if you, I don't know if you guys have thought about this, but the effects of, it's become a normal thing to see a person in a mask. I'm str- yeah. Are any of you <laughs> struggling with that? I'm struggling with that. It feels weird to me when I see someone's face now. <laughs> like <laughs> I see someone's face and I'm like oh that's what you look like okay that's what a human face looks like now um any 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 issues with that any thoughts on that like having to mask our faces and what what the the potential harm may come of that
2: I think so much is said uh, I'm sorry uh, I think so much is said um through our facial expressions, which, I mean, we know, but, um, but it's in private practice, especially it's a challenge to do the therapy that I do and set with a person for an hour fully masked and they're fully masked. And it's, there is definitely an element that, um, it, it's harder to read the the clients because you're not seeing the the little the little facial expressions that you know we're so used to taking as cues as professionals when we're sitting across from someone. So that's really been a change uh, for me. Um, it's also funny, like you said, just for just to cut in, but somebody the other day pulled their mask down to take a drink, and I was like. He's a goatee. (laughs) We do go through those times when you're like, wow, now I see your whole face. Because it is a surprise.
1: And I guess um, just in general, you know, covering up this part of your face. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Especially like in practice or even just, you know, walking by each other when usually we'll say hey and smile. You You can't even tell anymore, you know, so we're not necessarily even making human connections just with right. that simple smile or that look of confirmation that I see you, you kind of feel alone, even though we're all doing this together, you still kind of feel alone. And as far as in practice, like you said, Scotty, I've been utilizing, um, mostly telehealth because I just feel that the body language and I, the expressions and the, You know, I I know if something clicks, if I just, if I see a smile and I don't even, you know, hear anything, but I know that something clicked because, you know, a smile. I can't tell that if I'm sitting in my office with, you know, two masks on, you know. So I'm doing mostly telehealth and I find that that is very helpful as well.
0: I know that, yeah, go ahead, Matt, please.
3: Oh, as as I say, it's a difficult choice, it's kind of a catch-22. Where with telehealth, you have the benefits of, hey, we can actually get to see each other, read that language, but you, you don't get that personal connection of, hey, we're sitting there together. Um, and Tia, I like that you mentioned that, that distance. And that's what I would say is probably the biggest thing that at a time where we need to come together more than ever, it's just kind of one more barrier. Where, you know, before COVID, it was our phones where everybody, you know, you went into a meeting and everybody sat there and they had their phones. You know, you went across the street, everybody pulls out their phones. Even if you're not doing anything, you just pretend like you're doing something or pretending like you're texting somebody. And it's really just kind of a way of, well, hey, let me let me hide, let me cover myself up for a minute, going back to the vulnerability of, hey, I, I don't have to have that conversation with somebody. Well, now with the masks in, especially, you know, with being six feet apart, you're not really supposed to have those conversations with anybody, so it's kind of just one one more way either to hide or one more barrier that you have to overcome if you don't want to.
1: Right, I agree, I agree. We are not, um, as human beings, we are not meant to be independent. We are meant to be interdependent. Yes. And this pandemic has taken that kind of away from us. You know, um, we're we're, we are meant to connect with each other that is the whole purpose of being human that that is what we do and so now we're at a we're at a place where everyone feels alone whether you have people at home with you or not you know because the way I, i might be living at home with a family of four but the way that i am dealing with you know COVID may not be the same way my spouse or children are dealing with COVID. so you, you find yourself kind of in this place where am I, am I by myself what I'm thinking? And so that, that, that mm-hmm. also, you know, kind of lends to my treatment because you just want to reassure people that they are not alone in the way that they are feeling. It, it might not be, be the same way in expression, but emotions are the same. Anger, happy, frustrated, these are all emotions. They might not present themselves the same, but we're definitely all experiencing that.
0: We are in this together. Is, that's been the statement of, you know, I, I would say if that was the, the mantra, we're in this together. We're in this together, right? <laughs> America, we're in this together. We are a global show, we're a global network. So wherever you are around the world, this is a universal issue right now. The COVID pandemic is universal. We are going to state the obvious. We don't know when this is going to end. We don't know when this is going to end. So this is going to be key for you guys to see what a therapist is is doing to help you in the moment to cope with something that you don't know if it's going to end. It is possible and here we go into these practical tips for how to navigate and how to get through this pandemic. Uh, each of you works with a specific uh, or, or more specific population, so I want you to talk about specifically the populations that you work with, but also you know some some general um, uh, ideas for coping that you have. Now, we don't know when it's going to end. I'm just going to th- say it again: we don't know when this is all going to end. And people are saying, "So how can you cope? How can you cope with that? What do I do with that?" I don't know when this is going to end, Scotty. What are you telling your clients?
2: What approach are you using? You manage, uh, manage what you can manage. Um, you know, look, a bit, think, and you know about the things that you can control and that you can do. Uh, you know, make a list of, you know, things that are in your control, things that are not in your control, and then start working through that list of things that you can control. Are you able to? You know, take a walk around the block, or are you able to, you know, you know, get some exercise, or call up an old friend, or you know, do some things that you know creatively that you wouldn't normally do, and get outside of uh, control the things that you um, are that are in front of you. I have a client that um, struggled with they were like you know i have this and i have this and i have this and i have this and, and we had to go through and say okay what things what, what are the things that you can do that are going to make this better and what are the things that you're just going to have to learn to live with right now and that we're just going to learn how to adapt but but sometimes i think that in this time we are getting um, so wrapped up that because the fire alarm is going off and it's the the anxiety is so strong that we aren't able to get anything accomplished and that just compounds the problem. So you know, manage what you can manage. Okay. Um,
1: just kind of speaking to because I talk to adults. I've been actually talking to. Some of the younger adults, some of the nineteen and twenty-year-olds, and they're having real issues because they've had this phone in their hand since first, second, third, fourth, fifth grade, and this is their <laughs> way of communicating. Wow. So they they don't have those, you know, human interactions, and so everything now their reality is social media and trying to, um, you know, help them understand that that is not reality that that is the opposite of reality and just monitor your screen time i've even you know given tips after after a week or so look at your screen time look how look how long you've been spending you know com you know feeling bad because you haven't started your own business or wow. feeling bad because you haven't completed grad school i mean if you and you hear everybody saying it if you haven't started a business during all this then you don't want That's just not true. You know, again, I go back to allow yourself a break. Give yourself some compassion. So that's another, you know, kind of another thing that I've been seeing and working with is just the kind of social media and the alternative, the alternate reality that some people are living in.
0: Matt, these kids.
3: I would say the the first thing to do is kind of stop and take stock. None of us make very good decisions in that fight-or-flight response. So um, I think the hard part was at the beginning of the pandemic, we were in, hey, this is a crisis situation, but we never really made that mindset shift from short-term to long-term. So I encourage parents to kind of go back to the fundamentals. So um, sleep, diet, exercise, and social connection. Um, and then to go through, you know, growing up, we were given that food pyramid. Um, so to think about it in that same way, where it's kind of flipped upside down, where you know, if social media was the sugar, that's the one at the bottom right now for a lot of kids. So going, hey, is you know, can they can they play outside? Can they ride their bikes? Can you go for a walk as a family? Um, and to actually set out, hey, what do you think is appropriate? And to allow your kids into that conversation um a lot of kids will will tell you if you ask them hey what do you think is an appropriate screen time some of them will say you know i think three hours is is appropriate i think four hours is appropriate and at first it sounds long until you know like you guys were saying where you check the screen time and go <laughs> oh hey they might be they might be clocking five six seven hours you know playing video games where if they're saying they're going to limit themselves to two or three hours hey it's not even a fight um So, allowing them to have input and say into, hey, what do they they think is healthy and kind of building a schedule and a plan together as a family.
1: And piggybacking on what you just said, Matt, in regards to allowing the kiddos to have a part in discussion, I think it's very important for families to have these discussions together regularly. You know, what's working for you, what's not working for you, you know, How are you feeling, you know, teaching the teaching children words that are able to identify their actual emotions? What are you feeling? What's going on? This is what mommy is feeling. This is what daddy is feeling. You know, just having real conversations and including them and allowing that to be something that happens on a regular basis.
0: Matt, can you speak uh, very quickly to the, the, on, the, the shift to the online schooling? Now some of the kids are actually going back on campus. I know they're doing like hybrid um, in some areas, but can you please speak to parents in terms of their expectations with schooling right now? Um, that expectations may have to shift a little bit uh, because this is something so new. Um, I know that in, in, in my practice, in my work, I'm seeing where parents are still holding these same expectations pre-COVID. Um, mm-hmm. even, even my son's um, band, you know, where they're, they're saying, like, no pass, no play. Well, I'm saying, well, some of these kids are failing like never before because they don't know how to do online schooling. And we're holding them to these expectations of, like, a college student. Can you speak to that and something parents can consider um, in kind of shifting that during this time?
3: Yeah, yeah, so it, it is a shift almost to more of a, a college environment where you see some kids that the, the work is pretty much up to them, you know, and each school seems to do it totally different. So some kids it's very regimented on, hey, you sit, you log in, you know, the teacher is seeing you and interacting with you. Other ones, it's, hey, you might log in for homework and the teacher just wanted to know you were there and then you're off camera the rest of the day. And so one of the biggest things I encourage parents, especially when it comes to to discipline, is separating out, hey, what is defiance and what is ability to regulate? So, hey, is your kid just saying, you know, I'm not doing the homework, I don't want to do it, you can't tell me, you can't make me. Or are they having a hard time concentrating? Are they having a hard time focusing? Um, Excellent. And so, kind of readjusting those expectations and going, hey, you know, if it's just straight up defiance, then yeah, that, that's a good opportunity, you know, for for some sort of consequence there. Um, but if they're having a difficult time regulating, you know, as as adults, especially when it comes to working from home, most of us would have a hard time mm-hmm. sitting and doing doing work for eight hours. How much more is it a six, seven, eight, 10-year-old kid?
1: And there's no recess. There's no lunch Mm-mm. room to go in and hang out with your friends. We're not seeing our friends in the hallway, you know, so it is really affecting them. And again, they don't have the words to kind of express how they're actually feeling. Mm-hmm. So as adults, we do definitely need to take that into consideration and kind of Ask the questions that need to be asked, like you said, to determine is this defiance or is he coping the best way that he can with the circumstances that he has in front of him.
0: Yeah, Scotty, these folks are going to the old, uh, the Specs, what do they call it here. I think it's Specs, the liquor store here <laughs> is the local. uh <laughs> <laughs> just keeping it real. I mean, some folks are, you know, uh, it, it, it's alcohol and, and drugs have become the way. Um, give them ideas for alternatives before hitting the bottle or hitting that toke, hitting that smoke, whatever it is.
2: Well, I think that um, I think that you know, taking a break, you know, just to see. You know, people. I'm I'm not in the in the market to say that everyone who drinks has a has an alcohol problem. For sure. Um, but I am in the market of saying, you know, um, are you drinking every day? Can you take a break? You know, what? Um, you know, are you, you know, are you able to get off work and go for a walk instead of opening a bottle of wine? Are you able to? Uh, go out to dinner with friends and just decide, you know, I'm going to drink water tonight or I'm going drink, to drink a Coke. You know, um, taking some steps steps back, you know, to see, you know, are you really in danger? Is this something that you really can do? Can you honestly, you know, a lot of times when it comes to chemical dependency, I, I see there's a lot of deception it, w- within yourself. I mean, it's, it, it's it's, you know, oh, yeah, I'm not going to drink tonight. And then 9 o'clock comes and you're like, well, I made it to 9 o'clock. I should open a bottle of wine. And so I think that one of the steps is getting honest with yourself about, you know, where you're at in the situation. And, um, you know, being willing to, to give yourself some breaks from the alcohol.
1: And trust yourself that you're able to manage and develop the skills that you need that are healthy so that you're not automatically turning to that you know we're not saying we're not saying don't have a glass of wine we're not saying don't have two glasses of wine but what we're saying is also have those coping mechanisms that are healthy that you know that that confirm for you that the next time something like Something like this, not the pandemic, but the next time I feel this level of anxiety, hey, I remember that from a couple of months ago, mm-hmm. and this is what I did. I'm going to try that this time, as opposed to the alcohol as the coping mechanism.
2: Mm-hmm. So.
0: That there, you guys, is 50 direct minutes of giving you guys um Insight to what it would be like to sit down uh, with the therapist. Uh, you guys speak to the process of going and talking to a therapist. What is the purpose of talking to a therapist? Why do people need therapists right now? Because we're the bomb. Not just. <laughs> <laughs> I knew. I knew when I was. Going amen. Amen. Work, <laughs> amen. When I was going through social work school, I said to myself, "This is a lifetime guaranteed job." <laughs> I mean, hey, there we're, ain't no way
1: we always have things we need to process. But I think that it's important. And I'm, I'm very proud of us as a society that we are actually taking the time. You know, it's unfortunate that it had to, you know, take this pandemic and kind of shut down to bring to our attention all of the things that are happening around us and how we're managing that. But what I am glad and very proud to see is that people are taking that first step into the healing process. Absolutely. And I, and after this, I'll be quiet, but we also as clinicians, all of us, we also have to realize that we are human as well. And so while we're in taking all of this information and we're processing it, and we say that we leave it in our office or we turn off the computer, we're done, but we're still kind of processing that. So we also have to allow ourselves some grace and compassion and reach out to a therapist when we feel overwhelmed, so let's not leave ourselves out of the equation either.
3: Matt, and and I would encourage people to to remember that mental health, just like physical health, is there's a scale. So you know you've got a, a cold on the warm end. When it comes to physical health, you have you know cancer, severe heart-related issues on the other end. And mental health is the same way. And we're used to looking at mental health only from the extreme perspective. So a lot of people don't feel that either permission or, or um, the ability to go and say, hey, maybe I need to go see somebody. Um, but, you know, for, for most of us, we don't beat ourselves up if we can't come up with our own antibiotic, you know, to, to treat um, strep throat. Wow. You know, none of us are looking at it and going, well, man, I should have had that information for myself. We <laughs> go to I environments, we get the information, we go about our life. That's so good. And that, right. I, tell yeah. myself, I tell people, hey, do the, do the same thing. Uh, you could go and you could learn all of these skills for yourself. Um, you could also learn how to file your taxes for yourself, to fix your car for yourself. But I, I encourage people that, hey, somebody can walk you through that process really quickly. Therapy. It doesn't have to be this lifelong commitment to somebody, you know, we're not, we're not getting married, that you can come, you can do sessions for a few months, get through the process, learn those, those things for yourself, and then it, it allows you to go through and probably handle 80, 90% of life stressors after that. Um, to, to where, again, just like with our physical health, um most of us once we've gone through it a few times once we've gotten a little bit of information you know we can tell with our kids is this an ear infection is this strep throat what is it um but we still go to see somebody else for a little bit of, of input there Scott, and we don't feel guilty about it
0: scotty i'm gonna let you bring it home uh, yeah go ahead
2: oh uh, i i would just offer you know um you know, look around. Um, there are a lot of therapists in your area. They're, we're all over the country, all over the, the world. Um, and even if you if you meet a therapist and you sit down for a session and it's not the right fit, you know, I encourage you to, you know, the most important thing, I mean, I, I believe the most important thing about that therapy, about therapy is that therapy therapeutic relationship and so if you don't have the right relationship and sometimes it takes a session or two to really know to lock in but if you if that therapeutic relationship isn't there it just doesn't work out you know sometimes that happens it's okay keep trying that doesn't mean that all therapy is bad that doesn't mean that that therapist was bad that meant it was a wrong fit and you know i encourage you to just keep trying until you you find that right person
0: So wonderful, so wonderful. Listen, hurting, trauma, pain, um, grief, loss, change, these are universal concepts of the human condition, of the human existence. This is something that those of us in America to all the way around the world deal with together. But guess what else is universal? Healing, healing, Mm. healing, healing, healing. And thank God for people like these three and every other therapist who uh, you know has taken on the mantle of this particular profession uh, to step into people's lives and I like to think that we're we're, we're almost like Gartner we, we provide tools for people to build their gardens of healing and that's it we just offer tools and the tools are the information which is what we offer on the Mental Speak show it's information that you can take into your life very practical we are laying this down of course we could have come from so many directions but we're hoping that just this little bit of information can let you guys know listen we're all in this together we've all been collectively traumatized but healing is an option recovery is an option okay coping is an option Scotty Gilmore LPC Matt Newell LPC Tahira Samuels, LCSW, thank you all so much, as always, for joining me on the show. You guys thank have you. been here from the beginning. You guys have helped, helped us to build this platform, and it's, it's a blessing to have you back today. Thank you. Thank you thank for having you. me. Thanks
3: for having us. Thank all you, right, so
0: people, you come back, tune in, uh, revisit, and uh, this will be in circulation. Uh, you're listening to FBRN, Fishbowl Radio Network. We will be back on the other side. Thank you so much. Back to
2: life, back to reality.
0: LaTanya L.T. Davison of the Mental Speak and Music Speak radio shows, broadcasting live each week from Globe Life Park in Arlington, Texas. Log on to hear discussions on social issues, mental and emotional wellness, comedy, music, and other topics with the goal of finding balance within ourselves and our communities around the world on Fishbowl Radio Network. Jump in.